Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 465. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the psychological thriller Nanny. Not to be confused with the friend Drescher vehicle, The Nanny. Correct. Yes. Although, it might be kind of funny to see how that would have played out. As a horror? Yes. Reboot it as a horror. They're turning everything dark now, so fucking do it. That's true. That This week, there is that, uh, that Grinch horror movie that's coming out. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, the, uh, Nanny's going to be available on Amazon Prime December 16th. And it's playing limited release right now. We'll also be going over some more watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes. If you get a moment, that'd be great. Let's go ahead and just hop hop on in to Nanny. This is written and directed by Nikyatu Jusu. I have a synopsis here. Immigrant Nanny Aisha piecing together a new life in New York City while caring for the child of an Upper East Side family is forced to confront a concealed truth that threatens to shatter her precarious American dream. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of Nanny? Uh, this is a tough one because there's a lot. There's, I think, an issue with expectations. I don't know how you felt, but kind of having the... the the horror title tagged onto it. Yeah. You know, there's a certain expectation that arises. And to let you know right off the bat, there's the, it does not play out like any traditional horror movie in any sense. To me, I almost felt there's like no horror elements. I was just going to say, it doesn't play out like any non-traditional horror movie either. Really? I mean, this is a Blumhouse film too, which is kind of interesting. The trailer pretty much shows all of the kind of horror moments. And e- and even in the trailer, those are like very subdued. So this, this yeah. is a extremely, I mean, if you want to classify it as horror, it, I mean, it is like so light on that, that I don't even consider, it, I just consider it to be like a psychological drama. Yeah. Cause this, I mean, it is, it's horror in a sense of like a, grounded like you know real life like, yeah like a real like happen, the horrors of real know, life yeah yeah the fact you can that take it, take it that way but if you're going into it expecting a traditional horror movie and then not only that like you said you had the blumhouse in the beginning that kind of sets you with a certain expectation right and the trailer too like again the trailer makes it out to be this kind of be like a little twisted psychological thriller that things gradually increase like something's not right with this family that she's you know yeah. um taking care of the the daughter and stuff but the weird thing is like that whole thing i mean more than anything this is a this is a very awkward and sort of cringy movie yeah and there is there is something wrong with that family there is definitely something wrong with that family but uh but i don't i don't know if it's so if it's if it's so deeply wrong that it that it treads into horror territory like the it it it's just kind of like there's a lot of families that have that sort of broken dynamic to them yeah and I'm and, and i understand that it like 
I guess I guess at the end of the day, this movie's way more grounded than maybe what you would expect. Yes, yes, because it does. It felt a lot like like from the outset when I was settling into it. I'm like, oh, this kind of just feels like a retelling of the 1966 film Black Girl, where it was a Senegalese woman goes to France to be, you know, kind of like a nanny type deal, but they essentially just make her a servant and they just kind of like ruin her life. So it kind of felt exactly like that, but just, it just small changes here and there, you know, now I like it as that. I think once I got over like the horror expectation, cause there was a, a certain amount, you know, into it where I was just like, I don't think this is going to be a horror film. Because I'm not feeling it. It doesn't feel like they're setting anything up. Yeah. And once I was able to just scrap that from my expectations, where I was like, no, nah, this is just seems like this is just like a drama type deal here. You know, like a more grounded drama. Then I was able to enjoy it. I guess, I guess that's my big hang up with it, is that if they stripped away all of the horror elements, quote-unquote horror elements like the kind of hallucinatory elements and like the just the different things that she starts to see and the fact that like you know psychologically she's starting to to crack if you strip all that away then i think that you do have a pretty compelling drama here not like you said like there's multiple movies that deal with the same kind of subject matter where you have a a caregiver who is you know spending more time and and taking care of someone else's child more than they can afford to do their own and you know so this is like a topic that i think will all will continue to resonate i mean this is this is something that that is very pervasive not that not not that i think that there's even necessarily like a, a problem with what's on display here like we've seen this the last couple of years and unfortunately you'll probably continue to see it for decades to come. It's just, you know, like the, the immigrant experience of being exploited and kind of taken advantage of in little ways here and there and some big ways too. like the mom, just like not paying her, you know, that's, yeah, not I mean, paying her that's like all the, the hours. That's like the big thing. Like, I think, I think that if you, like those things and also like how she ended up having to like buy the food and all of that stuff it is kind of all of those little subtle subtle things but of course there's also bigger turmoil that's happening within that company that's or that family there's that's not an excuse for yeah the uh, michelle moynihan's character to to show that level of neglect but yeah, it's just the, the, all these compounding little indignities that you experience that just... And then especially with the husband, too, where he's kind of he's just a, kind of that off-putting... Little toxic, just trying to be some, like, some toxic, you know, like, toxic yeah, masculinity like trying to be like, in there. Being the good guy. He's like, but then, it, of course, it's just him trying to sleep. Yeah, woman. yeah. Like, he, he, he fancies himself as a very, you know, woke individual yeah. when in fact he's just kind of a scum just kind of a scumbag yeah. he's clearly he's a scum. scum like from the moment they introduce him uh his name's adam actually played by morgan uh-huh. specter even adam's a bad name here yeah the, i guess one of the problems that i had with this is that i feel like 
nothing nothing was quite seen through to the end like i felt like there were a lot of dangling questions and and issues and things with the the family um and then also like the well i guess no let, let me backtrack on that a little bit um i'm thinking about the the ending now and i guess really the only thing that i felt like wasn't quite resolved was just the f- the family and what was going on there there's a there's kind of a shocking twist that happens I I don't know. I mean, it, it they sort of foreshadow it. Yeah. Um uh, several do. several times. So and I don't think that it was supposed to be like a a big shock when when it is revealed. I think that that uh that Jusu does deliberately give us hints as to, you know, to to, to prepare us for that for what's happening or what happens. But I don't, I don't know. I felt like the the pacing just felt off it did, it, to me. When that comes, it just feels like it was so hurried. Yeah, because there everything, just, everything like, kind of had like one scene where it's just like, oh, this is that, this is the actual reality, and then moving on, which yeah. you know makes sense, and I get what she's trying to say there. But at the same time, it just, I don't know. There's there's a lot of parts to this that I like because there's two things. Two other things that I really enjoyed that kind of set this apart from a lot of the other, like, immigrant um, horror stories of trying to capture the American dream or whatever, is A, they're usually, like, they're all terrible in a sense that, like, the outcome is always terrible. Mm, Yeah. Where this one is not terrible. Like, yes, there's some tragedy there, but there's actually... Some there's, good there, things. It, it's hopeful. Well. There's a, yeah. yeah, there's a hopefulness. There's a joyness to you know, a joyfulness to it. So that was refreshing. I enjoyed that. And another aspect of this that was kind of surprising, and and this I think it played into fucking up my expectations of a horror movie is at a certain point this just like completely detours into like a romance, just like mm-hmm. like she starts dating someone, and it's just like oh, this is just like a rom com now. <laughs> And it was there was actually a part of me that was like, this is a pretty good rom com. Like I would watch this. It's just that. That's what I'm saying. Like I I feel like if you removed the horror elements, I'd probably like this a lot more because I feel like the horror elements get in the way of yeah the 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 drama and and like like her story, like Aisha's story, and like I get what they were going for with with the horror elements. But I just didn't feel like it was necessary, really. Yeah. The only the only thing that, and I will definitely extend this grace to the to this film because I will fully admit there is like two aspects of folk tales being used in the b- yeah. between the. So you know, there's some there's some shortcomings on my part, and ter- so I don't know if like a full, a f- more. Um, a better understanding of that or like a deepening understanding of that would, would change my outlook on this film. I'm guessing it would. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps Uh great performances across the board on this too. You have Anna Diop as, as the, the lead Aisha 
And um, I already mentioned Michelle Moynihan, Morgan Spector is the, the husband and wife uh, family who hire her. And then you have uh, Sinqua Walls as Malik, who is the, the love interest. He's like sort of the, do- the uh, not doorman, but like. Um, like the front. Yeah, desk. like the front desk guy, uh, guy at uh, the building where this family lives. And uh, what a gorgeous apartment, by the way. Holy shit. And and that lobby too with that that wall that like kind of mossy living wall type thing definitely into the apartment. I, bet. I hated it. You hated the apartment. Hate that apartment. Oh man, I liked it. Not a fan of that. I'm a fan. I've, I've become more like I'm a junk like junk mm. and knickknacks. Okay. And trinkets. Got it. All right. Cool. Yeah. I don't like the clean look anymore. I want I want shit to be everywhere. Little <laughs> knickknacks all over the place. You're you're more into the hoarding aspect of it's, yeah, <laughs> necessarily hoarding. It's you know it's excessive curation. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. say <clears throat> I like I, I like excessive curation. I like the idea of having like a, a library. Yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts on Nanny? I, I give it a light recommend, and this is enough. That a lot of elements that I like in this like. Separately, as a whole, I don't think it worked for me as much as I was hoping it would. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of aspects of it that I enjoy that I'm very interested to see what she does in the future. Because I think it's already been revealed that she's doing like a, what is it, the Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, she's she's rebooting Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So. Interesting yeah. to see like a more straightforward horror horror movie. Yeah, she's to got. I think she has. Out. She has some other horror movie that she's working on too. Oh yeah, there's with, with uh, Jordan Peele producing. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's definitely. I just I hope that she leans more heavily into the genre though. That's I guess that's my only. I mean, obviously she will certainly be doing that with Night of the Living Dead, but hopefully any any of her future projects that, that are within the genre, I hope that she does uh, push a little bit more into the horror. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, this this works good as a, as a drama. I just... Uh, yeah, and I, that's, that's, a, that's the thing that's tough, right? Because, like, how much of that is really her fault? Right, well, yeah. Seems like it's more just like a marketing thing, you know what I mean? I... Very well could be. Yeah, that very well could be. All right, let's go ahead and give it a score. I'm super light recommend on this. As long as you know going into it that this is not a horror movie and and you view it from a like a drama perspective, I think that you will like it. So I'm going to give it a very light six out of ten. A six, six and a half. There, there you have it. Again, this is going to be on Amazon Prime Video December 16th. So uh, stay tuned for that. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I believe it is your turn this week, Kevin. Oh, well, I'm keeping the the old noir movies going. So I watched uh, This Gun for Hire from 1942, Ooh. directed by Frank Tuttle. Ooh, a little Tuttle action. Little Tuttle action. Okay. Uh, right. him, he's adapting a, a Graham Greene, right? 
Then I usually enjoy Graham Greene. And I, this is, like, it's a pretty good story. But just, like, the actual, like, filmmaking, like, the visuals and stuff, it's just very, like, straightforward, very basic. I mean, there's, like, I think, like, one sequence with some fog that is really nice looking where the guy's, like, kind of held up in, like, the train yard. And the police are waiting for the fog to clear, and he's trying to get out while using the fog as cover. So that has a nice look to it, but the rest of the movie is just kind of eh in terms of visuals and stuff. Like, the story is pretty good. You have Alan Ladd plays a... He's a, a killer for hire. He's a hired gun. His name is Raven, and he takes people out. Mm. And he takes out this guy to get, and gets, uh, like, some chemical formulas... And here it, it turns out that it's this very elaborate thing that he's he's helping out some commies, you know? These guys are trying to betray our country. So you have that whole aspect to it, too. Which is just, like, give me a goddamn break. But uh, this has Veronica Lake as a magician that sings. And she kind of gets wrapped up in this because she gets hired by the guy that also hired Raven to kill someone. So she gets pulled in, but she's about to marry the, the, the police inspector who's, you know, doing the whole case. So man, everybody's jumbled up in this goddamn mess. And, uh, it's pretty good. It's all right. I mean, it didn't, but it also didn't disappoint me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I just feel like there's a lot better noirs out there than this. Got it. Okay. And that was this gun for this hire. gun for hire. <laughs> I was like Frank Tuttle, blanking on that. Uh, all right, I saw Quick Change from 1990. This is uh, directed by Bill Murray. Stars Bill Murray. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the only movie he directed. The only feature film he directed. Wait, isn't this? It's hmm. it's Bill Murray and and Howard Franklin, the guy who did. Uh, Larger than life, the moment, the movie with Bill Murray and the elephant. Incredible. So, quick change. This is a movie about a a bank robber. So, Bill Murray plays a bank robber who makes off with like a million dollars, and this is in New York City. And he he does so by dressing as a clown and and carrying out this somewhat elaborate plan and he gets away and he uh his two accomplices are played by gina davis and randy quaid and they have this plan to get out of the city but everything goes wrong so the whole movie is just them trying to get out of new york city and not get caught by the police so it it almost plays out like um what's it called after hours I get like the that kind of vibe where it's just like this kind of crazy crazy night in New York type of thing where it's just like each like it they just go from like one kind of strange set piece to the next to the next and I liked it a lot I thought it was really funny I I don't know why, like, I don't feel like this movie got a lot of love when it came out because I wasn't even very familiar with it at all, but I thought it was really funny. And that's the interesting thing is, A, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. Yeah. People are obsessed with Bill Murray. 
So the fact that the one movie that he like directed or co-directed, I don't know about, is weird to me. But also when I go on the letterbox, everyone that has seen it is like rave reviews. Yeah. So it's like why? I don't why know. Don't really know about I this? think I think that it must have like not done well when it came out originally, and I mean, hopefully now it'll have a little bit of a renaissance because it, it's really funny, and I I liked it a lot. I mean, it, it's definitely. Because, I mean, you still have that... It, it's 1990, but it kind of still feels like the 80s, pretty much. So you have yeah. that kind of 80s New York grime in there, too. But you have, like, Bill Murray in the middle of it, just reacting to all the crazy shit that happens in New York. It's it's great. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of stupid stuff in it, but it's still... It's still work. I mean, it's still funny. So I, the only the only unfortunate thing is Randy Quaid. Like his character is super annoying, and c- considering what Randy Quaid is like now, it's hard to see him in like a role like this and not think about how he's like this weirdo, like mountain man, super Trumper, anti-vax type person now. Yeah. But aside from that, if you can separate yourself from Randy Quaid and his character in this quick change is definitely worth a look. I need this so much. I need it. Uh, the only other was Saturday night and Sunday morning from 1960 directed by Carol Reese. This stars Albert Finney, a real young Albert Finney, very young. So this is a, that um i forget that like the actual term for it but that like british like realism kitchen mm. sink you know draw like mm-hmm. they had that wave like in the 60s yeah this is one of those and albert finney plays a he's like a 22 year old factory worker and then on the weekends man this guy just he's doing it all and by all i mean drinking smoking and sleeping with girls one of them the main one is married to one of his co-workers. Mm. And of course that gets him into some trouble. It's Albert Finney, you know, hanging out on the weekends, trying to have himself a good time. After a long week working in the factory, he's a lathe worker. Working on Ooh, them working lathes. A lathe, all right. Yeah, in a lathe. I'm not exactly sure what he was making, but he was making something on that lathe. And that was, it, like, it's a good movie. You know, if you like that kind of thing, you know, that blue collar, like, down and dirty, just realism, that type of cinema, I think you'll enjoy this. Albert Finney's fucking fantastic in it. And it's especially great to see him as, like, one of, you know, the early roles where he's a really young guy, where you're, like, so much of my life is just spent watching him as an old man in movies. But to see him as as a youngin'. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty good. If that's your cup of tea, I definitely recommend it. And then all it made me kind of miss uh, factory work. Kind of miss working in the factory. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, factory. Bit. But as soon as I got in there, and I worked like a couple hours, but fuck this, I don't ever <laughs> want to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. It's just one of those things that's easier to romanticize when you're away from it yeah, than exactly. when you're actually in it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, that looks good. Um, last one that I saw was Blood Delirium. 
We had talked about this. Hell, yeah. <laughs> we talked about this last week. Tell me everything, buddy. This is directed by Sergio Bergonzelli. Uh, this mm-hmm. is out now on Vinegar Syndrome. They they released it uh, this this past week. Uh, stars John Philip Law, who you may know as as Diabolic from Danger Diabolic. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Bonkers doesn't even begin to describe this movie. This movie is absolutely nuts. The level of exploitation in this movie is. Such that, I mean, I don't think I've seen an exploitation movie like this in quite a while to the point where it, like, women are just taken off their tops for no reason. We have full frontal nudity for no reason. Uh, Like, it's it's crazy. This is a crazy-ass movie. So what you have here is this this woman. She's a, she's a, a very famous... I don't know if she's very famous, but she works as a pianist. She is a very good piano player. She's um, quite popular. And then you have this guy played by John Philip Law, who is a he's a famous artist and he lives in a giant castle and mm-hmm. he his muse is his wife and his wife dies. But it turns out that his wife her doppelganger is this other woman who's the, the, the pianist. And after the woman goes to a, a like a gallery opening that he's at, uh, or, or like an exhibit with his, his latest pieces, he like becomes obsessed with her. He invites her to his castle. She goes there and all hell breaks loose because guess what? Like she's there, she's playing the piano for him. She's trying to be his muse and like he's it's there's something missing there's just something missing well it turns out that the caretaker of the property is a serial killer slash rapist and he murders a young woman and they they, he discover the the artist guy discovers that like it's her blood is what he needs like that's the painting like or that's the paint that's the color mm. that he's looking for mm-hmm. is so he becomes like obsessed with using this blood to complete his uh his art which by the way is absolutely atrocious like it looks like a child it's it's laughable how bad his art is because when you see him painting it you you it's it just it looks so goofy it looks like a, a kindergartner doing finger painting uh everything mm-hmm. is so over the top and goofy in this because you, there's like a supernatural element to it as well and nothing makes any sense at all it's just sex and violence they just, they're just trying to throw it all in there and yes mm-hmm. there is necrophilia in this and there's cannibalism too so there's Watch out. yeah there's uh, there, there's some gore that. there's some gore to be had in here but yeah it is uh it is definitely over the top I'd give it a light recommend. The thing is, like, there are some pretty grim, like, things in here that I think could easily have been removed, should have been removed, but it's all presented in such a goofball way that you can't really 
take it seriously. So it's not it's not like it, it's disturbing or too grisly or anything. It's all done in yeah. such a campy, you know, B movie way. Incredible. So yeah, Blood Delirium. Check it out. One of the one of the uh, the co stars, Olinka Hardiman, is she was a porn star. And yeah, I was I was looking him up on Letterbox, the director, and it looks like he did a lot of uh, you know Italian softcore. Oh yeah, I see that. Oh, in fact, it looks like he directed a bunch of movies with Olinka Hardiman. Uh, she she was like. She she was famous for like kind of kind of having a striking resemblance to Marilyn Monroe. So she was a French actress who did a lot of um, a lot of porn, apparently. Gotcha. And she plays the best friend Corrine in this. Mm. That's it. That's all I got. I really appreciate you updating me on Blood Delirium, though. Well, the thing is, you know, we go over the Blu-rays every week. And there's always yeah. these these ones that pop up where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I got I got to see that I got to see like they all sound so ridiculous, and I'll add them to my watch list, and then I don't watch them. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm aiming to rectify that, and I'm glad you did. I appreciate it. That's why I, mean, I truly do because I was interested in this movie back when we talked about it on the last episode. I had already forgotten it until you said I watched Blood Delirium, and I was like, oh shit, that's right, that movie. Because <laughs> I do the same thing. Yeah. I had all these movies to my watch list, and I completely forget about them. Uh, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Nothing. Nothing nothing going on in theaters. Really? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. On nothing. VOD, though, we do have a number of things. Starting on December 5th, we have Mr. Creep. Mr. Creep, what is that? Three college students stumble upon a lost television broadcast of a deceased serial killer and search for its location. Mm-hmm. On the sixth, we have John Waite, The Hard Way. A little rock doc coming at you. Oh, boy. We have I this. I updates like I used to. Uh, yeah, well, I haven't seen too many come coming <laughs> through. I feel like there's been a little bit of a break with the rock docs recently. And we also have the Scottish play. We got D Influencer. That's a pretty bad looking horror movie. On the seventh, we have Burning Patience. That's going to be on Netflix. We got the Marriage app. That's going to be on Netflix also. Mm-hmm. Then on the eighth, we have In Broad Daylight, the Navardi case. That's on Netflix as well. A little true crime doc there. And then on the ninth, we have It's a Wonderful Binge on Hulu. Ugh. Um, also on the ninth, we have Detective Knight Redemption, starring Bruce Willis. We have Black Warrant. That's a Saban Films release, so expect some middle-of-the-road action there. We mm-hmm. got Emancipation on Apple TV+. Plus. That's the one with Will Smith. Uh, Ant- Antoine Fuqua one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Visually, that movie looks like it's going to be pretty good. We got something from Tiffany's on Amazon Prime. We got Float. Uh, this this looks, uh, I don't know, this, this might be fun. It's a horror movie. 
about a bunch of about a bunch of friends who go go tubing down a like a lazy river. Oh no, tubing! And a, a sinister paranormal force plunges them into a life and death struggle, forcing them to face their own fears. Oh God, that's they, the last thing you want to do when you're tubing. Yeah, I know, man. Because the whole idea of the tubing is relaxing. Exactly. Have yourself some drinks, float down the river, just relax. And, and it seems like this paranormal thing is going to do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's going to be a stressor for these kids. They don't need that. No, they don't. Also on December 9th, we have number 10. I guess it's number 10. I mean, it's NR period 10. This is uh, directed by Alex Van Warmerdam, Borgman of Borgman fame. Oh, the Borgman guy. Yeah, he's back. Strange memories from a man's past reveal a dark secret that threatens what he thinks he knows about his life and the world around him. Oh, boy. It's the 10th feature film from uh, Alex Van Warmerdam. To me, it's his second. (laughs) Yeah. I, I saw one other one, I think, from him. But, I, you know, I can't even remember what it was anymore. But I know that I saw one other one. It was after Borgman. On Shudder, we have Christmas Bloody Christmas. And then on Netflix, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's the, that's the, uh, the, third, the third Pinocchio movie to be dropping this year. Unbelievable. What a comeback for <laughs> Pinocchio. Yeah. So man, Pinocchio fans, 2022 is your year, boy. Incredible. I mean the the uh this one looks good. Like I don't I've said it before on the show. I don't really like the Pinocchio story, but this one I am going to check out just because the the animation looks really good. And I saw a yeah. couple like little little blurbs about how everything was like made by hand and like it, it looks like it's a very um like meticulously crafted movie and and i really i like stop motion a lot so i'll be checking this one out isn't isn't there also like a pinocchio game it's not out yet but it's coming out it's like uh, a, it's a souls like yeah uh and it looks pretty good it does. Lies of P. Yeah, Lies of P. 2023. That's about the same, man. Like 2022 is just going fucking insane. With yeah. Pinocchio. I think maybe it was originally going to be coming out this year and it got pushed back or something. But yeah, I that game looks that, pretty, looks pretty good. I wonder if that's because I think, I think it just as a society, we were like, we have <laughs> we're too many Pinocchio. It's Pinocchio overload. 2023. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So yeah, a certain a government somewhere stepped in. Yeah, it's, it's totally Pinocchio overload over mm-hmm. here. Anyway, also on the ninth we have D, uh, I am DB Cooper, which is a DB Cooper documentary, not to be confused with DB Cooper. Where are you? Which is another documentary what? that came out like a week ago on Netflix. So what is it with Pinocchio and DB Cooper? I don't know. DB Cooper. It's that one's kind of weird because the DB Cooper story has been told and retold a million times too. Yeah. And all of a sudden 2022 people were like interested in DB Cooper again. We need more DB Cooper. I guess. Well, th- this, this documentary, um, I am DB Cooper 
features a guy who claims to be db cooper so nice <laughs> so this this should be the final one because they, they they cracked it wide open the real the real db cooper who's definitely not dead uh, is in this movie i wonder what he's to i guess i gotta watch it to find yeah out. you gotta watch it and find out i mean he got away with the money and now he's just living living life I feel like someone should be knocking on his door, right? <laughs> You'd think so. You'd think so. I don't know if there's like a, some sort of statute of limitations <laughs> there. Or... He waited till the clock ran out. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm D.B. Cooper, by the way. I mean, I could see D.B. Cooper doing something badass like that. Yeah, I have a feeling that there's not a statute of limitation on stolen money. I don't... I don't... I don't know. I guess it maybe it depends state to state. I, I'm not sure how all that works. But all right, let's take a look at what we have in Blu-ray this week. It looks like Pulp Fiction is getting a new 4K release. Black Christmas is getting a new 4K release. That's the original 1974 one. Hell yeah, the classic. Fucking incredible, dude. I think I'm gonna. That's I'm. That might be a a, a Christmas tradition for me. I, I watched it. Last year, and I had a really good time. I might, and I'm kind of feeling like I want to watch it again this year. It's just so good. Doing it. Yep. Clerks 3 is coming out. I have yet to watch so that, important. but I do plan on it. Mad God. Uh, that's the stop motion. Right, right when I get done talking about how much I love stop motion, Mad God com- <laughs> comes out on Blu-ray. You start to reevaluate. Yeah, a movie that I thoroughly did not enjoy. <laughs> um, But it wasn't it wasn't for the animation. It was just everything else that I just wasn't into. Um, Amsterdam coming out. Looks like another 48 hours. And then the original 48 hours are both getting 4k releases. It man three. What? Uh, it man. <laughs> just the third one. Yeah. Just the third one. You know what that means though? It's going to start kicking off. Every week for like the next like four months that so you're going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The Warriors is getting a new release. The original RIPD is coming out in 4K. Why? No. John Cusack's Better Off Dead from 1985. Nightmare at Noon from 1988 is coming out on Arrow. What is this? Going to have to keep an eye on this. Gonna say that sounds kind of promising. Scientists poison the water supply of a small town, turning the residents into homicidal maniacs who kill each other and anybody who passes through. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Watch list. That, that one is getting put on the list. Looks like Tommy Boy is getting a new release. Uh, the Leech from 2022. That's coming out on Arrow also. Um, that's about it. What about Criterion's? Did I lose you? I can't hear you. I did for like a second there. Okay. Uh, what about Criterions this week? Oh, all we have is a box set. Perfect timing for the, the Christmas holidays, and that's a Haneke trilogy <laughs> box set. <laughs> Bringing the joy. <laughs> the joy, the laughter, the happiness. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't mean to like be a hater, but no one wants this. Who the fuck wants this? So it's the Seventh Continent... Benny's video and 71 fragments of a chronology of chance. Yeah. So it's like the, it's not even the good ones. 
Yeah, it's like his first three. So it's Haneke before he's even, you know, fully formed. Yeah. It's not even his final form. We don't want first phase Haneke. Nah, where's the, the cachet or the... What's the the pianist? Or is, it, is that it? Is it the pianist no. or the piano? It's a good question. <laughs> it's one of the two. And you know what? I I went to a tab to look it up, and <laughs> I typed out H, and I was just like, "Nah, I really don't care." Nah, nah. Really, I think Cachet was the only one that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even like that one very much but to to me that was like the only one that was somewhat oh i kind of like what was the dust vice event oh yeah 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 that was pretty good that was like the sci-fi one right i forget i I have no (laughs) i don't remember at all but that's a part of it it's like never i'm never gonna watch haneke movie again no i don't have to i'm an adult i can do what i want I'm not gonna watch. I'm probably not gonna watch him again either. The piano teacher is what I was yes. thinking of. Yes, there you go. There you go. And Time of the Wolf is the sci-fi one I was thinking of. Ah, uh, yeah. Time no, of the Wolf. Not good. I don't think. I don't. I don't even remember that. Honestly, I don't remember I don't. any of them. I mean, I remember funny games. I remember. Uh, yeah. I, I remember funny games. I remember the piano teacher. I do somewhat remember Amour. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Cachet I, for that one scene. I just said, I'm realizing that I've seen too many Hanekes. Well, we did that retrospective. I know. And I regret that. I remember that that was like maybe one of the last. Uh, it was like the second retrospective we did. And it was like the last one. <laughs> We're just like, huh? No, we're not doing this anymore. We yeah, we watched like almost all of his movies. It was almost his whole filmography. And it was a depressing time, you know. Yeah, it was. That was rough. That was a rough couple of weeks that we did that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I. You know, he's an acquired taste. I think. I think I I can understand why some people like his his shit, but. And he did the white yeah. ribbon too. Blech. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.